Catholic History Trek, a podcast exploring the Catholic past. Hello, and thanks for joining me on another episode of Catholic History Trek. Before I begin this, our 20th episode of Catholic History Trek, I do have one bit of exciting news from Kevin and myself, and that we now have a YouTube channel where you can watch our content. It's the same audio as our podcast, but with the addition of multiple pictures showing the historical characters and events being described in our episodes. So you can see the St. Benedict Medal as it's being described, and you can see the Fair Catch Corby statue, the Irish Brigade, and a blighted potato on our episode about the Civil War chaplain Father William Corby, and so forth. And I say it's the same audio, but I am slowly going through the oldest episodes and trying to clean up the audio issues we experienced when we first began our podcasting trek. So on some of those, audio might actually be a little better than what we first suffered through. If you do like to listen to audio on YouTube or know someone who might enjoy our episodes on YouTube, you can find our site by simply searching for Catholic History Trek on YouTube. So far, we've added about one third of our episodes onto YouTube with video, and I assume we'll eventually venture out to other online platforms as well, as our unpaid staff is zero are feverishly working as fast as they can. I'm Scott Schulze, and I'll be making this Catholic History Trek solo, as Kevin is busy with set construction for a high school musical. In this episode, we'll be trekking to the 28th International Eucharistic Congress, held in Chicago, Illinois in 1926. If you're unfamiliar with the term Eucharistic Congress, you may be wondering what that even means. Usually the word Congress conjures up images of of a formal assembly of representatives in a legislative body. So a Eucharistic Congress might seem like a room full of Eucharistic hosts debating the minutia of proposals in a political arena, but the reality of a Eucharistic Congress is something quite different. A Congress, in addition to meaning a group of representatives in a republic, also means a gathering or meeting. And in the case of a Eucharistic Congress, it is a meeting or gathering of Catholics for the purpose of celebrating and glorifying the Holy Eucharist and seeking the best means to spread its knowledge and devotion throughout the world, where clergy, religious, and laity gather over several days to bear witness to the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist with large masses, adoration, and speaking events. The first Eucharistic Congress took place about 150 years ago and is typically credited to the convergence of two French Catholics seeking evangelization and Eucharistic devotion, Emile Temissier and Bishop Louis Gaston de Seju. Emile was a French laywoman who had an ardent devotion to the Holy Eucharist and tested a religious vocation before entering the Society of Perpetual Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for a couple years before returning home to look after her dying mother. While in the Society, her devotion to the Eucharist was bolstered by the Apostle of the Eucharist and founder of the Blessed Sacrament Fathers, St. Peter Julian Aymard. The future saint would say Mass and preach for the Blessed Sacrament Society. In 1873, after she returned home, Emile organized a local pilgrimage to the Chapel of the Holy Cross in Avignon, France. And it's worth noting this chapel was not your typical adoration chapel, but has quite the history. This Chapel of the Holy Cross is generally considered the birthplace of Eucharistic adoration for the laity, as it had hosted perpetual adoration since 1226 when King Louis VII of France asked the Bishop of Avignon to have the Blessed Sacrament exposed there, in reparation for the Albigensian sacrileges and in thanks for victory over the Albigensian heresy. This chapel is also associated 
with the Eucharistic miracle of 1433, when torrential rains caused the Saugat River to overflow, flooding the exterior of the chapel. But inside the chapel, the water was miraculously parted, like Moses crossing the Red Sea, leaving a bone-dry corridor from the chapel's door to the altar. There was water six feet deep inside the chapel to the left and the right, except for the altar where the Eucharist and monstrance were located and the pathway leading to it, which were all miraculously preserved from the flooding and water damage. After this pilgrimage to the Chapel of the Holy Cross, Emil next planned to expand the local Eucharistic pilgrimage to a national one, and within a few years envisioned an international pilgrimage and began to petition the church to this end. Meanwhile, Louis Gaston de Seju, the Bishop of Paris, was dedicated to evangelizing and supporting solidarities and organizations of the faithful, including the promotion of the St. Francis de Sales Association for the defense and preservation of the faith, which he helped spread throughout France. He is generally credited for the first International Eucharistic Congress and making it a reality. Unfortunately, he died in 1881, only two weeks before the first Eucharistic Congress was held, in Lille, France. And if this town in France sounds familiar from another podcast, it was mentioned in the previous episode when Kevin and I discussed the Catholic scientist Louis Pasteur, who taught at this town's university in the 1850s, where he began his famous work on fermentation. From this first International Eucharistic Congress in France in 1881, they were held almost every year until 1914, when World War I caused an eight-year gap with the next Congress postponed until 1922, held in Rome, Italy. From 1922, these International Eucharistic Congresses continued every couple years until 1938, when they were again interrupted by war. This time, it was World War II which brought a 14-year break until the Congress was reconvened in 1952 at Barcelona, Spain. Since 1952, the Congress has been held every three to five years, with the last one, which was the 51st International Eucharistic Congress, taking place in 2016 at Cebu City in the Philippines. The next one is scheduled to be held in Budapest, Hungary, later in 2021. It was originally scheduled to be held in 2020, but was delayed for a year due to the global shutdown stemming from the reactions to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. When the 52nd International Eucharistic Congress is eventually held in Budapest, it will be the second such Congress hosted by that city. In addition to large international affairs, Eucharistic Congresses can also be national, regional, or even on a diocesan level. But it's the international ones which are the topic of this episode, and specifically, the 28th International Eucharistic Congress, which was held in 1926 in Chicago, Illinois, which is the first of only two international Eucharistic Congresses hosted in the United States. The other one being the 41st Congress, which was held in 1976 at Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, coinciding with America's bicentennial and the 200th anniversary of America's Declaration of Independence. The 28th International Eucharistic Congress was held June 20th through 24th in 1926 in Chicago and was the second of three major world gatherings in Chicago in the late 19th and early 20th century with the others being the 1893 World's Fair and the 1933-1934 World's Fair. The arrival of the Congress was thanks to George Cardinal Mundelein, Archbishop of Chicago, who had his request granted by Pope Pius XI to hold the next Congress in Chicago and promised the Pope a million communions as a spiritual bouquet. 
Transportation for these million Eucharistic pilgrims traveling to and from Chicago would be no small feat and required an enormous effort of logistics. With no interstate highway system or large airports yet in existence, it was the many rail lines operating in the Chicago area which were called upon to provide passenger service. One of these railroads, the Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railroad, even announced that their trains would come equipped with a special mass kit containing items like vestments and a chalice for the priests to celebrate mass. In an era when chapel cars were still around, check out our episode on Catholic chapel cars for more details on that topic. My assumption is that the mass kit was for the priest to say mass on the train. And on the topic of trains, one of the more interesting details of the Eucharistic Congress is the special Cardinal's train. In the days before jet-setting Pope John Paul II cranked out a whopping 104 international visits during his papacy, it was uncommon for the Pope to leave Italy or even the Vatican. When the Pope wished to provide his presence at an international event, it was custom for, the, for a papal legate to be sent on his behalf. For this 28th International Eucharistic Congress, Pope Pius XI sent Giovanni Vicenzo Cardinal Bozzano as his papal legate. After sailing from Italy to New York, a special train had been put together for the Cardinal's trip to Chicago. A New York Central locomotive pulled seven Pullman cars, which had been repainted Cardinal red and gold for the 24-hour trip along the New York Central's 20th Century Limited route, which ran from Grand Central Station in New York to LaSalle Street Station in Chicago. Upon reaching Chicago, the train, which carried the legate as well as Cardinal Hayes of New York, in a sizable entourage of clerics, was greeted by Chicago's mayor and city council, by Cardinal Mundelein, and by a cheering crowd of thousands. After its one-day distinction, the Cardinal's train was soon disbanded, repainted, and put back into regular service. Some of the preparations for the Eucharistic Congress included masses and holy hours to be held at every Catholic church in the Archdiocese of Chicago, more than 3,000 priests requested to converge upon the city for hearing confessions, sisters of various religious orders were called upon to make four and a half million hosts for use at masses during the Congress, and a sanctuary was built at Soldier Field in Chicago for the outdoor stadium masses to resemble the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls in Rome. The Congress opened on Sunday, June 20th, and commenced with a procession of religious orders, monsignors, bishops, archbishops, and cardinals which was watched by 250,000 people who could listen via the modern innovation of loudspeakers. And churches across the nation carried the opening procession via radio broadcast for those who could not make it to Chicago. The next day, Monday, June 21st, was Children's Day, with several hundred thousand people converging on Soldier Stadium by streetcar, elevated train, and car for Mass, which included a choir of 62,000 schoolchildren. Seminarians from St. Mary of the Lake Seminary now called Mundelein Seminary, led the procession. The morning of June 22nd began with a focus on women, with 20,000 women religious and another 230,000 laywomen attending. And by the evening, the focus turned to the men, with 225,000 men processing to Soldier Field carrying candles. June 23rd was Higher Education Day, as education was a significant strategic goal of Cardinal Mundelein, along with taking care of the poor. And on June 24th, the final day of the Congress, the activities moved to St. Mary of the Lake Seminary. Getting all of the pilgrims to and from the seminary was a monumental achievement in what was considered the largest transportation effort of moving people in American history. 
approximately 18,000 automobiles arrived and left the seminary in a 24-hour period, and 830 train trips pulling over 5,200 train cars brought people to and from the seminary via temporary train terminals built for the occasion. The Chicago North Shore and Milwaukee Railway boasted of transporting 300,000 people to the seminary, with one train arriving every two minutes. Over an eight-hour span, including other rail companies involved in the massive undertaking of transporting pilgrims, a loaded train arrived at the seminary every 40 seconds. The ceremonies began with a solemn pontifical mass in the morning celebrated by papal legate Giovanni Vicenzo Cardinal Bozzano and Patrick Joseph Cardinal Hayes, who was the Archbishop of New York, and it concluded with a two-mile-long Eucharistic procession that trekked a course of three miles around the seminary's lake. It's estimated that over 800,000 people attended the Congress's Closing Day Mass, which is an incredibly impressive number that not only rivals the monumental numbers that Pope John Paul II drew at the 1993 World Youth Day in Denver, but drawing 800,000 people in 1926 means that roughly 5% of the nation's 16 million Catholics had converged upon the city of Chicago for the International Eucharistic Congress. To put that 5% into modern context, that'd be like having 4 million Catholics all converging on a city today. 4 million people descending on a single city in a single day would be essentially like taking one decade, actually over a decade's worth, of attendees for the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C., and squeezing them all into a one-time event. The 28th International Eucharistic Congress in Chicago was an important event for the Catholic Church in America for several reasons. Nationally, it brought a very brief respite from rampant anti-Catholicism in the United States as vitriol turned to curiosity, and even a few newspapers paused their regular programming of anti-Catholic rhetoric long enough to describe the events somewhat unbiasedly. But any hiatus in nationwide animosity towards the church was short-lived. As seen in the 1928 presidential elections held two years after the Congress, when Catholic and Democratic candidate Alfred Smith lost in a landslide, due in no small part to his being a Roman Catholic. On a world stage, it highlighted a change in a global view towards the Catholic Church in America. From the time of the 15th century discovery of the New World and the first masses celebrated in what is now U.S. soil in the mid to late 16th century, the United States has, had been considered mission territory. Despite the birth of the nation and emergence as a player on the world stage, the missionary label endured for the first four centuries of Catholicism in the United States, placing the church under the supervision of the Congregatio de Propaganda Fide, or the Congregation of the Propagation of the Faith. This was the case up until the 1908 Apostolic Constitution, Sapienti Concilio, issued by Pope Pius X. The hosting of the 28th International Eucharistic Congress in Chicago was sort of a coming-out party for the Catholic Church in America, emerging from missionary status to a full-fledged established Catholic Church. And perhaps most importantly, the International Eucharistic Congress afforded the opportunity to unite Catholics sparsely spread across America through their Eucharistic belief in a mostly disapproving Protestant country. The Masses and Prayers at this 1926 International Eucharistic Congress would have been said in Latin. And as always, we conclude this episode of Catholic History Trek with a prayer in the Church's historic language of Latin. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicuturat in Principio et Nunc et Semper, et in Saecula Saeculorum. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Catholic History Trek. You can reach us at catholichistorytrek at gmail.com.